Glory to God. Lately, I've got leaving on my mind. I don't want to go until he calls me. I want to do all I can do for him. I want to take care of my family. I've lived long enough to see my children's children's children. I was supposed to have died of leukemia at eight years of old. Eight years going on nine, Dr. Paul Menthorne, his uh, prognosis for cancer of the blood that I had at that back in the late 50s, uh, 47, 48, 49, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, somewhere around the beginning of 1955, uh, I wasn't supposed to live past my eighth or ninth birthday. Uh, uh, they, uh, they told my parents who had no... Uh, no uh, insurance and little money uh, to wait until the leukemia got in its last stages, the suffering stages, uh, uh, and then to try to get me admitted to the old county hospital. It's not where you can get admitted now, Tampa General, but it was the old county hospital. I think it's 34th or 34th Street. They went from that to a mental facility, and I don't know what it is now, but it used to be an old gray dilapidated building where people that didn't have insurance went uh, to get some substandard medical care and uh, so my prognosis was very grim until the Lord stepped in and made all the difference in my life. He healed me uh, completely of leukemia. And uh, the doctor, when they took me back to the doctor, uh, he put down on the report, spontaneous remission. Isn't that an incredible thing? They don't know why it left. They know it left. But they can't say why it left because I had no bone marrow. I had no chemotherapy. I had nothing. But, uh, but uh, you know, nothing. They didn't do anything for me except tell us what we could expect in the future. But when our expectation is from the Lord, all of that changes. So every day that I live and breathe, I'm a living testament to the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. And that there's power available to you and I today. Praise God. If you have your Bible just for a few moments, as we only have a short amount of time to hold your attention. I've got time to preach for a long, long time. But once I lose your attention, then there's no point in carrying on. And I want to get your attention this morning to something that is to prepare us to celebrate the resurrection. Not only the resurrection of Jesus, but the resurrection power that flows from his resurrection to you and to me right here in the 21st century. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, if you will. Chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and begin reading with verse 16. Now, here's something I would love to do if we could get enough people interested in the Word of God to do it. Uh, I used to love to teach Sunday school back at when we were in Sulphur Springs in those early days. We were running balcony crowds in the Sunday morning and the Sunday evening service. Our parking lot was so full, people had to leave without parking because there was no place to park. Now, that's, uh, that was a big difference in then and now. Uh, some churches are experiencing a lot of turnout, but they have a lot of programs to entertain and to get people stimulated to come out. Well, the only thing we had was the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And we still have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We still Focus on the Word of God because everything else passes away. Heaven and earth passes away. But he said, my Word will abide forever and forever. And if it, if it gets in a good ground heart, it's received in a good ground heart, has to qualify as a good ground heart. The seed itself will bring forth fruit 30, 
60 and 100 fold. So if we had time and interest, I would love to have a study on the, the prayers of the Apostle Paul as the Holy Spirit moved him to intercede and pray for particular things for the church. That's you and that's me. Amen. These prayers are powerful, power-filled and prayers, and they reveal the purpose of God in our life. What Paul prayed, unctioned by the Spirit, because it's here in the Word of God, are prayers that reveal the purposes of God for you and for me. And what His purpose for us is so exciting. And when Paul talks about praying, by the way, Brother Taylor has been doing a Bible study on Sunday night on John 17 recently. And here's a prayer within John 17 is Jesus praying to the Father for us. How many know in Matthew there's what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Goes on and on. That's, and, and really, if you want to get technical about it, really, it's a pattern prayer for us to pray. It's not his prayer. It's the pattern for all prayer and for us to pray in particular. Because the question was asked, Lord, teach us to pray. And you know, before he started teaching them to pray, he had to unteach them how to pray. Because that dead religious system had taught them wrong. And he said, when you pray, don't pray like they pray. They're not praying properly. Don't pray like the hypocrite prays. He prays a big flowery prayer to be honored of men. He's not talking to... Listen, when you do that, when you fast to be seen of men, the Bible said you got your reward. God's not going to give you nothing. God's not going to do anything. Everything that we do to, to put ourselves on a pedestal spiritually, to, to get the praise and recognition of men for our, our religiosity, all of that is sounding brass and tinkling cymbal to God. It means nothing. Everything we do from the heart is meaningful to God. So when we talk about prayers, Jesus prayed, Father, you know how I'm in you and you're in me? I want them to be in us in that same kind of unity and spiritual relationship. And, and the one that blows me away, literally blows me away, is when Jesus prayed, and Father, I want you to love them, all of them that believe on me. I want you to love them with the same love wherewith you have loved me. Now I'm going to tell you something. I do not deserve that kind of love from God that His only begotten, perfect, sinless Son received from Him. And yet Jesus prayed that He would love me like that. And what makes me want to live for Him is because I know that I'm loved like that. Hallelujah. Because He began to, to speak of going to His Father and our Father. His God and our God. And He tells us, Heretofore you've asked nothing in My name. Also in John's Gospel, ask that you might receive that your joy might be full. I do not say that I shall pray for you, for the Father Himself loveth you. And how does He love us? With the, in answer to that prayer, how does He love us? The same love? The same love? The same love? If you're in a family, generally speaking, somebody is the black sheep of the family. You don't have to be Afro-American to be the black sheep. You, I was the black sheep. And I was the only child. 
And I was still the black sheep of the family. And when my son came along, he could do no wrong. What they spanked me and whipped me for, he got away with. And when I gave him a little spanking, I never gave him like I got it, but I gave him little spankings from time to time. And and my dad would step in and say, oh, Bobby, he didn't mean to do it. And I thought, good Lord, man, what changed? (laughs) What has happened to you? What mellowed you? And he used to spank me and say, you going to do that anymore? And I was, I was already ready. I had my, no daddy, no daddy, no daddy, no daddy, no, never again. So I was nailed for everything. They caught me. They got me. They nailed me on everything. And, but when he come along, it's like their love for him blinded them or they refused to look at some of the faults in him. But they didn't let me get away with nothing. Listen to me. To be loved with the same love wherewith Christ, wherewith God has loved His Son. To bring us into His family, not as stepchildren, but as full-blown sons of the living God. Hallelujah. Now, Paul said, you are the sons of God. Now. How many know we're living in the... We need to live in the now of our salvation. It doesn't appear what we shall be. We know we'll be in glorified bodies. We know that we're going to have a body fashioned after His glorious body. But how someone with flesh and bones in an eternal body can walk through a door without opening it? Still have flesh and bone and pass through? Because He didn't knock on the door and the disciples had it locked and bolted after the crucifixion. And yet Him in His body... Raised physical body, raised from the dead with a spiritual quality to it of eternalness. He just appeared in their presence. Praise God. This is, that, I, I, it boggles the mind. In fact, Paul said concerning those things, we look through a glass darkly. With our best revelation in the Word, we can't conceive totally what that's going to be like. But we know one thing's for sure. We're going to be just like Him when it occurs. Can you say amen? Our vile bodies shall be fashioned after His glorious body. And corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And mortal is going to put on immortality. Praise God. So that day is coming. So these prayers that reveal purposes of God in our life. And it involves revelation so that you know this. It becomes settled in your life. Something you see. Something you get. You say, Pastor, I don't get it. Well, listen, it takes a while to get it. Seed has to get in the ground. It has to get roots and it has to grow up. But just because you don't get it, don't reject it. Keep being open to it. I'm, I'm just now, after all of these years, beginning to accept the fact that I am loved of God like His Son is loved by Him. And I don't know what that does for your faith, but I'm going to tell you what it does for my faith. Amen. If you've been a black sheep and felt like you had to earn love and, and spent your life trying to earn it and messing up and realizing you're never going to get it that way, I love my mama, but my mama never loved me that way because no one ever loved her that way. There was nothing like, there was no unconditional love. Everything was conditioned upon performance. When you come to God, God wants you to perform to the optimum. He wants you to be a choice servant of His. Hallelujah. But you don't have to, you can't earn His love by being that. 
Amen. God commendeth His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul put it forth this way. He said, there are some people that for a good man they might die. For a great man they might dare to die. For a good friend they might die. But God commends His love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every person who misses heaven will go to hell loved of God enough that He would give His Son. Loved by Christ enough that He would stay on the cross. This is a different kind of love than we've ever had and been used to. And some people spend their whole life trying to earn it. Trying to merit it. And salvation itself is an unmerited gift. You couldn't earn it if you were the... Well, there's no sinless perfect person. None of us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet He loves us and wants to save us. Pardon us and forgive us and give us victory in our life. Hallelujah. So these prayers reveal purposes. Let's begin reading. If I don't get into this, I'm going to stay in John 17. And I really wanted to get into this. Now, say it with me now. Paul said now, and I'm still in John 17 in other places. Now, we are what? Old sinners saved by grace. No, you were an old sinner. You have been saved by grace. But now that you have been saved by grace, he says, it's all changed. Now, oh, hallelujah, Sean, now we are the sons of God. And he said, if you are genuinely, spiritually, a son of the living God, Jesus is not his only begotten anymore. I don't think you heard me. Jesus cannot be His only begotten. He gave His only begotten. But what Jesus did on the cross is brought many sons into glory. Hallelujah. And now you are the what? The old sinner saved by grace, living some second class, servant class. We are the servants of God, but we're servants because we have become sons. We're sons who serve. We're not servants without an identification with Him. That's why the Bible said of Christ, I've no more called you servants, I've called you friends. For the servant doesn't know what his Lord doeth. When family business was discussed, how many has ever seen Downton Abbey on television? Oh, you don't watch Channel 3. Okay, sophisticated lady. I knew you were sophisticated. Amen. How many's ever heard of the, 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 the turn of the century, how they lived in, particularly in England, when there were the, you, you were either in a class where you were in the, in the gentry, the high class, and, and servants, they didn't, they, their, their servants' quarters were below, and they came to serve, but when there was family business discussed, the servants had to leave the room because they were not part of the family and they were not parcel to to hear anything that had to do with the family. But Jesus said, I've not called you servants, even though I want you to serve me, but I haven't called you servants. I'm not going to treat you as servants, second class. Amen. Hallelujah. I have called you friends because the servant doesn't know what his Lord doeth. 
But everything the Father's given me, I'm giving it to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is an incredible prayer, isn't it, Brother Taylor? Father, I pray for them that... You know how I'm in you and you're in me and we're one in each other that they may be one in us. And Father, I pray for them that the same love wherewith you have loved me, would you would love them exactly the same and make no difference and no distinguishment. True story of a little boy. Kids pick on kids when they find out any weakness. He was adopted. Kids in the third grade found out he was adopted. And they begin to say, that's not your real daddy. You're adopted. That's not your real daddy. You're adopted. And they, they would say, you, you don't even know who your real daddy was. You don't even know where your real daddy is. That's not your real daddy. And he got kind of fed up with it. And I love the way he answered them one day when they were riding him about that. He said, you know something? You're, you know your daddy. He didn't have no choice when you were born. He didn't choose you. He just got stuck with you. But my daddy picked me. He chose me. Can you say amen? I'm going to tell you something. The Bible said they that were with Christ, they were chosen. And they were faithful. But it begins with Him choosing you. The Bible said that you did not choose Him. You, you responded to Him. But initially, you didn't choose Christ. There's not a Christian that got up one morning and said, I want Jesus without God choosing you and drawing you first. We didn't choose Him. He chose us. And we don't love Him because a commandment says, Thou shalt love Him with all your soul, heart, mind, and strength. That's not why we love Him. That's how we should love Him. But that's not why we love Him. The Bible said clearly we love Him because He first loved us. So before you start trying to love God, He wants you to receive His love for you. Can you say amen? Bible said in 1 John that he that feareth dreading God and fearing life is not perfected in love because perfect love casts out all fear. Now there's some people that fear grips them all the time and, and there may be some spiritual things that need to be dealt with but most of the time it's not a spirit of fear in the sense of some evil spirit from down below. Everybody in here has the propensity to fear when conditions are fearful around you. So when the Bible said to fear not, it meant to manage fear. It didn't mean to never act like you're never affected by it. That would be a lie. That would be a terrible lie. If they call today or Saturday, if they, I got a call from the highway patrol or they knocked on my door and said, your wife has been in a terrible automobile accident. She has been helicoptered uh, to Tampa General or St. Joseph's and we don't know her condition. I'm going to tell you something. This man right here, my blood pressure would go up. My heart would begin to beat fast. Oh, Brother Venable, wouldn't you just say, yes, well, I'm uh, in the midst of cooking me some scrambled eggs right now. And as soon as I'm through with my breakfast, I will check on her. No, that's stupid. Amen? You wouldn't be human. 
you would either have to be superhuman or subhuman. And let me tell you, you're not super nor sub. You're very human. For the sake of you that were not here, when I tell it over and over again, Muhammad Ali were, was traveling to the Philippines to have that. Anybody remember Muhammad Ali? Cassius Clay first. <laughs> he, he had a mouth on him, but he backed it up with his fist. So what can you say? Amen. He was confident and competent as a boxer. On his way to the Philippines, got on a plane with a little Filipino uh, stewardess <laughs> and, the, and the sign going to Manila to fight the thriller in Manila. <laughs> and, 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 and the little stewardess walking up and down the aisle because the, the little ding came on and it said, fasten your seatbelts. They're ready for takeoff. And he hasn't fastened his as she walked by. So she stopped and turned around and she knew who he was and she said, buckle up, champ. Time to buckle up. You know how he responded? Superman don't need no seatbelt. You know how she responded? Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> and the champ buckled up. Can you say man? Let me tell you something. I don't care how anointed you are as a Christian. I don't care what Christian leader you look up to. He is not superhuman. And he is not subhuman. He's like you. And he's like me. He's human. And we have to deal within. Our faith has to work within our humanity. I don't get up every day feeling like I can run through a troop and jump over a wall. Sometimes I get up feeling like I've been jerked through a knothole backwards. Amen. But I'm told in the Word of God that God still sits on the throne no matter how I feel. And God is still in control no matter what is happening in my life. And I'm told in the Word of God, and I've accepted it into my life, that all things, that's the good, bad, and the ugly, everything that happens, if I keep my trust in God, He's able to subdue it to Himself and cause everything to work together for my good and His glory. Can you say man? Everybody say it's a win-win. My good and His glory. I receive the blessing and the benefit of a God who is able to take everything that happens in my life, even the evil intentions against me, and use it for my good and His glory. Can you say man? But we do know. Everybody say no. But we do know that all things, once it's settled in your life, you can praise Him when things are going wrong because of what you know. For we do know, it doesn't just say all things, that, that does you no good to have that theological concept preached to you. It's when you have a personal acceptance and understanding of that great fact, and whatever happens, you know this, praise God. And it's such a settled knowledge within you that you praise Him in spite of it. I will bless the Lord when things go well and when things go my way. No, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name and forget not all of His benefits. And one of the benefits of the new covenant is the promise. Lo, I am with you always. Man was scared to get on an airplane. He's scared of flying. 
One man quit a rock band in the middle of making millions because he was so afraid of flying, he couldn't get on the plane to make the dates with them. Gave up millions of dollars uh, because of his fear of flying. One man with a terrible fear of flying got on a plane, had to take a plane for a funeral. He was getting on the plane. He was shaking all over. He sat down by a man who was a Christian. He said, what's wrong with you, sir? He said, I'm, I'm afraid of flying. I don't know if I can. I may have to get off this plane. He said, well, listen, Jesus promised to be with us always. He's with us now. The man looked around, uncomforted, and said, yes. But he said, and lo, I'm with you always. He didn't know what that meant. You've got to know. Another man, fear of flying, got on a plane, and Oral Roberts at that time was flying to a crusade date. And when he walked down through the aisle, he stopped and he saw Oral Roberts, and he said, I'm so glad to see you on this plane. He assumed if he's on the plane, the plane is not going to have a problem. Well, you see, that's a wrong assumption. It just could be because he's on the plane, the devil want to to make it crash. That they may have a problem, but if God wants him to be somewhere, God's going to get him there and all things will work together for good. Dwight Thompson, evangelist, you may have heard him some years ago. Dwight Thompson was on a plane, and he was talking to a man beside him that was a Christian about the baptism in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And They got to talking. They decided to pray over a need, and Dwight began to speak in tongues, pray in tongues. And a man behind him was insulted by that. He didn't like to hear that heavenly language. And he said, listen. He said, would you mind not, not doing that? And Dwight said, well, sir, I didn't mean to offend you. I was just praying for this man. And the man said, well, I, 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 don't, I don't believe in tongues. I don't believe in, in what you're doing. And Dwight said, well, this is a heavenly language. This is a prayer language. This is, this is when, when you, you want to talk directly to God according to His will. And you, you give way to the Holy Spirit. And the guy said, I don't want to hear it. Sat back down in his seat before they got to their destination. According to Dwight Thompson, they hit terrible turbulence. Have you ever been in a plane with terrible turbulence where suddenly it just suddenly drops and your tray goes up in the air? And, and, the, and when you see the, uh, the stewardess strap themselves in and the captain tell everybody to fasten your seat belts, you know there's some rough weather, there's some turbulence ahead. So that sign came on, the stewardess strapped in, it got worse and it got worse, and they had a big drop. Felt like they were falling right out of the sky. And he said, in between the seats of that plane, that man behind pushed his hand in between the seat, pressed his hand in between the seat and grabbed Dwight by the arm and said from the back seat, Preacher, pray. And Dwight said, so I began to pray so he could hear me. And, and really, we needed to pray. It was, it was really that bad. And I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll keep us and take us safely to our destination. But because he told him that tongues was a heavenly prayer language speaking directly to God from our spirit, he said, Pray in that other language. <laughs> Hallelujah. In other words, I want to make sure God's getting this prayer. 
If your life isn't turbulent, it doesn't mean that much. But if your life is turbulent, the power of God may not seem as an essential when you're handling everything. When your shield is blue cross and blue shield and the doctor is handling it. But when the doctor's scratching his head and nobody knows what to do, it's time for the power of God to come into play. And that power is released by prayer. Can you say amen? Heretofore, you've asked nothing in my name. John 17 is the Lord's prayer for you and for me and for the church in every generation. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I want a unity here. And I want a spiritual. What are we? What is the church? A building fitly framed together for a supreme heavenly purpose. Fitly framed framed together for a habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? God said, I don't want to live in anything that man can make for me. In the old covenant, He said, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. The next time someone's building a building for the glory of God, remember this scripture. Some buildings are not for God's glory at all. They're architectural statements of man's riches and man's ingenuity and man's ability to build things that he thinks pleases God. And when people had that attitude, and Solomon's temple was out of this world, but it didn't mean nothing until they began to worship him in that temple. The presence of God did not come until they began to worship but when the singers begin to sing, the priests begin to sing, and the people begin to sing, and the sound of the, those who blew the trumpets and the sound of the people and the sound of the priests became as one in praise to God. The Bible said something happened. They built it just like he said to build it. It was the most beautiful, gold-inlaid, most beautifully architectural design. It was like nothing that had ever been. The Bible said there's nothing like it beforehand, and there'll never be anything till we get to heaven like it again. Can you say amen? But it was meant nothing to God until they began to worship Him in it. Till when they began to worship in one mind, in one accord, the, the, the they that blew the trumpets began to blow in a worshipful tone to God. The singers appointed to worship in the temple began to sing. The people that came in to dedicate the temple began to sing. And the priest began to sing praises unto God. And the voice of those that blew the trumpets, the voice of the singers, and the voice of the people began as, became as one in praise to the Lord. The glory of the Lord entered the temple at that precise moment. So that tells you God's not interested in architecture. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where's the house? Where's the house? What house will make me say, boy, I want to come and live in that house? In fact, he lived behind the veil, manifest his presence in an old gopher wood ark with a golden lid on it called the mercy seat. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But to whom will I look? If you can't build anything to entice him and to impress him, to whom will I look? He that is of a humble and contrite spirit that trembleth at my word. Paul said, I was with you in weakness. I was with you in much trembling. That your faith not stand in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. A 
lot of Pentecostals don't know what they have. They think the Holy Spirit is a toy to play with instead of a tool to work with. Your prayer language is not to show that you have spiritual status among your peers. Tongues is something holy, precious, and powerful. Paul said, I will pray with my understanding. And when I don't understand, I can still pray with the Spirit. I will sing with my understanding. And I will sing with the Spirit. When I pray and intercede for people, some people, I know their need been brought to my attention or God reveals it and I pray for them according to that need but some people I don't know their need but I sense as I'm praying there is a need but the Holy Spirit knows the need the Bible said he certain no man knoweth the things of a man except the Spirit of God he searches the deep things amen he knows your need today he knows how to meet that need today And he has people that will pray according to his will for that need to be met. And some people I have to stop and say, Lord, just meet their need, whatever it is. No, since I don't know, I'm going to acknowledge that he does know. And I've been given a language to pray in if I defer to the Holy Spirit, that he can pray through me for them and make intercessions, sometimes with groanings and moanings that we don't understand. Howbeit, if I speak in an unknown tongue, my understanding is unfruitful. The people who are against all of that expression of God's power and the gifts say that it has to be a known language. That happened on the day of Pentecost for witness. But after that, there are other expressions of the Holy Spirit. And when a man prays in an unknown tongue, howbeit no man understandeth him. It's between that person and God. One theologian believes that tongues was the language that was spoken, part of that language that was spoken before Adam fell. He had a mouth-to-mouth conversation with God. And what has happened through the new birth, we've been brought into a restored, reconciled relationship as if we had never sinned. It's called justification. And the relationship that Adam lost has been regained through Jesus Christ. God can fellowship His creation. Not only can we go behind the veil and be accepted of Him, He can come from behind the veil and manifest Himself to us. And that's why on the day of Pentecost, God was no longer behind the veil that reminded all the best of the priest and the holiest of the priest. It was like a keep out sign. Amen. You cannot walk behind this veil into this holy presence. But when Jesus died on the cross and his blood sprinkled the mercy seat. Hallelujah. And we were justified by faith, reconciled unto God. He said, you're not children, amen, of the devil anymore, but you're God's dear children. Hallelujah. 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 There are those of us in here with all those inferiority complexes. I, I, I love black people. People of color. I think, I think y'all are very interesting people. You come from a culture that is ancient. A lot of the scholars believe that Eden 
was in Africa. This is an ancient people. And they go way back. The Queen of Sheba came from Africa, North Africa, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And she took that wisdom back to her people. The Ethiopian man, hallelujah, that, that came seeking truth in Jerusalem, that was baptized in the middle of the desert. Hallelujah. In the middle of Gaza, Philip was told to join himself to this, this man. Hallelujah. In this chariot. And somewhere out in the desert, Gaza is desert. But after he received the message of Christ based on Isaiah 53, is this him or should we look for another? Where do you find this man that brings this salvation? And he beginning at the same scripture that we talked about last Sunday, preached Christ unto him. Can you say, man, he gladly received Jesus and suddenly there was water to be baptized in. In the desert. Right where they were at the time he received Jesus. The next thing out of his mouth, here's water. Here's water. That's what Samson found in the jawbone of the donkey. That's not where you normally find water, but God wanted him to drink that water, so he put the water within his reach so he could drink it. Can you say, man? Here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And he took the message of Christ and his salvation back to his people. Hallelujah. When I worked for Tampa Electric years ago, I worked on a line crew, and they were building the Tampa International Airport. And there was a lady who knew that the culture couldn't hold down a whole community of people that deserved to be as free as anybody else. And that was the time of the black power movement. Ungawa, black power. Amen. That was, that was the, the war cry of the movement. And she drove a dump truck, this weird man she's a big woman i mean she had muscles where i don't have places she drove one of them big old dump trucks and she would come by our line crew you know we'd all be working and she would she would make a muscle like like you do sometimes amen <laughs> but it was bigger than yours amen <laughs> and she would come by and, and she would holler black power <laughs> i didn't argue with that Amen. <laughs> Anybody with a muscle like that, you could say red power, gray power, green power. You got it over me. But we knew what she was talking about. There was a movement of a people that lived oppressed and suppressed. Amen. To come into their full freedom. And the church of Jesus Christ needs to come into her full freedom. Amen. The Bible said, stand fast in the liberty Wherewith what? Christ has made you free. And don't be any more entangled in the yoke of bondage. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be entangled in the yoke. There are people who will not give you what God has granted you in Jesus Christ. And you will never become trying to please them. What, 
what you need to do to please Him. Amen. You can't love Him like He said to love Him with everything until you accept His unconditional love for you. And that's what stimulates the love in you for Him. I'm not asking you to love Him with everything. I'm asking you to recognize and receive by faith that He loves you. Amen. Enough to give His Son and Christ loved you enough to stay on the cross. Can you say amen? And He hasn't called you servants. He's called you friends. And right now, right here in the now of your salvation, salvation you are the sons of god and and if sons of god paul said then you are heirs of god and oh come on church and if you're an heir of god you're a joint heir with jesus how can that be because he answered his prayer after the cross to love you like he loves his own son and what did jesus say in pilate's hall father I know that you hear me. How did he know? Because the love that God had for him. He don't listen just because he sees your faith. He listens because he loves you first. But we live that encumbered. What is the yoke of bondage? What is the yoke of bondage? Be no more entangled in the yoke of bondage. Everybody under that religious system. This is not license to sin. This is not freedom to do your own thing. This is to bring you into a love and a devotion. That you want to serve Jesus with everything you are. And because you know you love that much. There's a faith in Him to give you everything you need to follow Him. It's out of devotion, not emotion. A deep devotion to Him. If a man loved me, he'll do what? Keep my commandments. And listen, it won't make him look like he was baptized in pickle juice. Well, sweet pickles have pretty good juice. They're baptized in vinegar. Amen. He won't wear his religion like some kind of terrible weight. He won't. So when Jesus said, Ho! You that labor and are heavy laden. It's a religious, oppressive religious system. Come unto me. Come unto me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke. Don't be entangled in the yoke of a, of a dead dogmatic. There's a place for dogma, but their dogma was wrong. That religious system put him on the cross and he was perfect and sinless. Imagine what it would do to you and me. Amen? That religious system wanted to kill a woman. Because she sinned. Until Jesus picked up the stones. A stone and wrote on the ground. With his finger, rather. And they dropped their stones. And she looked to him to see what he was going to do. And he said, don't be afraid. Neither do I condemn thee. Is that license sin? No, go and sin no more. Don't continue in sin. This is an opportunity to be delivered from it and forgiven of it. Not to live in it. Amen? Listen very carefully. This is important. 
that yoke of bondage. Be no more entangled. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in spirit. And you will find in pleasing and serving God, you will find rest for your soul. You'll find deep peace within and joy in serving Him. Can you say, man, that yoke of bondage will weigh you down? It's to people under an oppressive religious system. That's the context of coming to me, you that labor and are heavy laden. I, I used to go to the Naturite gym. Don't look at me now. That was in a galaxy far, far away in a time. Long, long. Say, so you don't look like you go to no gym. I know. I understand that. But I used to. And the guy that owned the gym taught biology at King, King High School. And he, he, uh, he knew a lot about uh, uh, physiology. He was also a, a, a local bodybuilder himself. And I went in and they named me Preacher Bob. That's what they called me. They gave me that moniker at the gym. And I tried to talk to him a little bit about the Lord and the things of God. And he had soured on religion. His mother was part of a religious system that you had to do penance if you felt you had done something wrong. And said, a huge church in a large city, he saw her one winter climb all those steps up to this huge church on her knees until they bled doing penance she felt i've got to show god how sorry i am to get his forgiveness i've got to do some self hurt and she didn't understand see the bondage of that kind of a yoke jesus said you're heavy laden come to me my yoke is easy my burden is light Living for God will require the crucifixion of the flesh, but God gives you the strength within to do that and gives you the freedom, that sense of being free, that I don't have to give in to that anymore. I'm not bound to that anymore. I'm not a slave to Satan or sin anymore. I'm a servant. I'm a doulos of the Most High God. It's a love relation. When you serve out of love, it's not a slavery. It's something you want to do. For a great master. Be not again entangled. Listen to this. Paul wrote to the Galatians. Oh foolish Galatians. How foolish you have been. Who hath bewitched you? Now the devil is in this. You can see that word saying the devil is in this. Who hath bewitched you to believe another gospel? Which is really another. Satan's, Satan's greatest lies are cloaked with just enough truth to make them believable. Who hath bewitched you to believe another gospel which is not another but some have perverted and polluted and changed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you think, and it showed what it was, do you think having begun in the Spirit that you can be perfected after the flesh? Do you believe that you can begin your walk with God dependent on His Spirit regenerating you his spirit empowering you and now that you got it your practice of your religion is going to be enough to walk it out your own resolve your own energy your own strength no paul said i live but i'm dead but yet i'm alive it's no more i that live it's christ that liveth in me they got on to my mama she went to church and she wore lipstick 
We had a glorious service. Pastor came up to my mom and said, there's just one thing that you need. My mom wasn't saved. She shouldn't have said that. One thing that you need. You need to get rid of that lipstick. She needs to get saved, man. You need to get rid of that lipstick. In other words, if you could get rid of that lipstick, you'll be sanctified. You'll be worthy. If you just get rid of the lipstick. He had on a bright red tie. He loved to dress up. <laughs> she, she grabbed that bright red tie. Yanked on and said, I'll get rid of my lipstick when you get rid of that tie. <laughs> Amen. Bringing the same attention. Saying, hey, look at me. There's nothing wrong with a bright red tie. You can be sanctified and wear a red tie. Some, we were around some people. The ladies wouldn't shave their legs or underarms because they thought that was vanity. People can take everything over in crazy land. I read 15 years ago, I read in the Tampa Tribune, three women in Texas were stopped driving a pickup truck, three of them in there singing Christian songs, driving a pickup truck naked. Had mustard smeared all over. They had been fasting and praying, they said, and seeking God, and read in the Scripture about mustard's faith is a grain of mustard seed. And they'd read a scripture that our holiness shouldn't be with silver or gold or the plaiting on of, of plaiting of hair or the putting on of apparel. So if we smear ourselves with mustard and get naked, we're really going to get close to God. Well, the Texas Highway Patrol did not see it that way. Can you say, man? And it's not going to enhance your testimony when three so-called Christian women that have been seeking God end up in a jail cell with mustard all over them and they have to give them something to cover their nudity. I wish I could tell you that was a fairy tale and a fable. That was in the Tampa Tribune. That occurred because they just wanted some kind of spiritual experience. Did you know what a lot of Pentecostals do? They'd rather feel something than learn something. Amen? What kind of service do you have Sunday? Oh, you should have been there. It was the most wonderful service. It was so powerful, the preacher didn't even get to preach. Amen. That's that, when I got saved, that was it. The ultimate way, if we could shout the house down, we thought we had it made. But people are not perishing because they don't shout on Sunday. People are perishing for one distinct reason, a lack of knowledge. Amen. They that do know their God... They'll be strong and do exploits. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 I often think of that lady that had a knowing. We're not going to stay suppressed. We're not going to stay oppressed. A day is coming when we're going to be truly free. Truly free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And don't you ever go back and be entangled in the yoke 
a bondage. There are people that God will save if they will just, I mean, He'll save them like that. That people that know them do not feel that they deserve to be saved like that. They won't allow for God doing what Jesus came to accomplish. They won't allow that the thief on the cross could actually receive from Jesus today. You'll be with me in paradise. Didn't have time to go redo something, undo something, or do something. But he, he had the faith to look to the one that could do it all in his behalf. And that's Jesus on the cross. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I'm telling you there are no hopeless cases. I'm telling you that what you would disqualify many of us, be careful. Be caution. Amen. If, if, oh, the same judgment you meet with Al, it's going to come around and be meted to you again. God loves you today. You are a son and a daughter of God. He has no stepchildren. Can you say, man, He loves all of us as if there was only one of us. He's answered the prayer of Jesus because Jesus paid the price for it on the cross. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Let's just give him praise in this house today. Hallelujah. 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 So I'm looking at regal people today. And some of you are oppressed spiritually. The owner of the gym, Stan Morey was his name. It's in Temple Terrace. I'd take my son to school. I'd go to the gym. He finally, he hated that religious system. That took a woman who did everything she could to show kindness to people, but never made the grade. And she tried to hurt herself to earn some kind of acceptance with God. So he turned off that religion. He thought he would try Protestant religion. And I invited him to our church. I said, if you don't come to our church, just go to church on Sunday. Hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went to a prominent church in Temple Terrace on a Sunday. On Monday, three deacons from the church showed up at his house. They didn't ask him about salvation. They didn't talk to him about Jesus. You know, they knew he was a businessman. He owned a gym. And you know what they asked him? They said... Would you like to become a member? Didn't care about his soul. Talk about Jesus at all. Would you like to become a member of our church? And they told him what membership required, that he give them a financial statement of his annual income from his business. I know. Yes, ma'am. This is the guy I'm witnessing to. This is the guy that's already tried one religion and saw how empty and cold and indifferent and heartless it was. And now he's trying what we say is the right religion, and this is what he's getting. He feels like he's being merchandised, and he is. And he had tears in his eyes. And I had tears in my eyes, and I said, that's not the gospel. That's not Christ. That's not what He came to do. And I tried to tell Him. I couldn't talk to Him about religions. And I talked to Him about Jesus. I just talked to Him about Jesus. And He closed the door. And he, but in His heart, something must have been occurring. Because it was during the Christmas season. And I came back the day after Christmas to the gym. And I said, how was your Christmas? He said, well, he said, you know what I did? He said, I was so mad and I was so angry. 
at everybody. He said, but I got my Bible. I had a Bible that I've had for years, and I haven't read it for years, but Christmas Eve, I got my Bible out. And I began to read everywhere I could find anything about Christmas in the New Testament. And said, I sat down with my family, and we read about the coming of Christ and what he did in the Scriptures. And I thought, what a shame that he had to get away from organized religion to begin to find something accurate and true out, not only about God and Christ, but about the real value, the thing that God puts the value on. Can you say, man, hallelujah. I want you to know that you're worth more than many sparrows today. I want you to know that God loves you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness. He's drawing you to himself. Praise God. And I want you to know, if you're in a turbulent situation, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you can talk to God when you don't know how to pray. And you can pray in the will of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, we know He hears us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have the petition that we've desired of Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Salvation of souls is the number one. There's nothing that will ever surpass that. There's no joy based on anything else that will be lasting. Rejoice not that demons are subject to you, Pentecostal. Don't rejoice over the authority you have to cast out demons. Rejoice rather for this reason. Hallelujah, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got power. We've got authority. But that's not why we shout. And that's not why we sing. And that's not why we praise Him. We praise Him because He shed His blood and we are saved. We're the sons and daughters of the living God. Hallelujah. And this is not going to be black power, white power, red power, yellow power. This is going to be Holy Ghost power in these last days. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I can't show you my muscle because it went somewhere. I don't know what happened to it. I'd wear my muscle shirt, but I don't have muscles anymore, so I don't do that. Told someone one day I wore... I didn't have sleeves in my shirt at the gym, and I said, I used to have sleeves in this shirt, and I flexed my muscle, and they fell off. But then God knows how to humble you, don't he? Oh, yeah, we had a guy in there that was a serious bodybuilder. I would walk in in my, in my T-shirt, and, uh, and he, he, he'd come over, my sweatpants and T-shirt in the summer, and he'd come over as I was walking in. Can I demonstrate with you, sir? Would you just stand up? He'd walk up behind me. He'd walk up behind me and say, wait a minute, preacher Bob. You got a string hanging out your sleeve. And he pulled my arm. Can you say, man? You can be seated. Thank you so much. We have power and authority that we never use in Christ. We come before God many times as a beggar looking for crumbs. When we are the children. It's not meat to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. True Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs. Well, honey, she could do that. She was a Gentile and she wasn't saved. The covenant was with the Jew. But something has occurred since Calvary. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither rich nor poor. 
There's neither black nor white, male nor female. But we are one in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So we don't come looking. For, and look what she got. Look what she got. Asking for a crumb that falls from the table. We're invited to the table. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All of you that are not got on your shouting shoes, I brought mine today. Glory be to God. And I believe God is going to save the lost. I believe God is going to deliver the captive. I believe God is going to heal the sick. I believe God is going to do a wonderful work in this generation. And the whole earth is groaning. Maybe that's why the earthquakes are occurring in so many different places. The earth is groaning for something. The earth that is inundated with all the evil of a fallen world wants something to occur. And it's not just the coming of Jesus. It's the manifestation of the sons of God. Can you say amen? The manifestation of who? The sons of God. And who are we right now? The sons and daughters of Almighty God. When we stand up as salt, when we shine forth as light, hallelujah, they that sit in darkness will see the great light. And I believe God's going to raise up a people. It's going to have to surpass religion and religious ritual and religious routine. It'll be a God-sent, Holy Ghost-driven revival. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we take the land from the devil. I like one evangelist's attitude. He said, we're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All because Jesus, Jesus saves. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to celebrate resurrection. Will you stand with us as we... Get ready to sing. I'm going to ask while we're standing, not seated this time. Is there anyone here you don't know Christ as your Savior? And God has spoke to you today. You feel this is the time. This is the time that I need to surrender and come to Christ. Anyone in this room, you need Jesus. You need that forgiveness. You need that sonship. You need that friendship from God. You need that help from above right now. You need to know if you draw your last breath, you'll take your next breath in heaven. Anyone in this room, I need Christ as my Savior. Anyone in this room, anyone while we wait, just a holy moment, I need Christ. Anyone here that's known the Lord, maybe even as a child, but you never understood what you had in Him. And therefore the world began to grab your attention away from Him. But today you're beginning to see what it means to be truly saved. And the blessing and benefit of the blood of Jesus in your life. Anyone here want to come back to God? I want to find my way back to my Father's house. Anyone in this room, you want to come home to the Lord? Anyone here? Praise God. How many people in this room are learning something? Learning something as we go along. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's begin to praise Him right here. Let's just have something to praise Him with before we leave this building today. Hallelujah. And next